Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. Hello, everyone. Today, I have my friend, Marcia Sierra, the only person that's been on my podcast three times. <laughs> uh, Marta, introduce yourself and also state your identities to listeners. Hi, my name is Marta Sierra. I uh, was legally trafficked as an infant from Colombia. I identify as Latina, cisgendered woman, queer, pansexual, bisexual, human battling this fun lived experience of CPTSD every day. Best intro ever. My part said, Marta is somebody that knows who the fuck she is. Mm. As I said before, you've been on my, my podcast twice before, and we talked about, about you being legally trafficked. And then we, Mm -hmm. in another episode, we talked about your marriage and also being polyamorous and what some of that means. And both episodes, listeners wrote in and like, they just enjoyed, they enjoy you. Like they wanted to hear more from you. So I'm so glad that you're back. It's an honor. Yeah. Thank you. And, and so do you want to kind of share since since our last episode and I'll post the other episodes in the show notes, everybody. Um, But do you want to just kind of share with listeners what has changed since then? The biggest change has absolutely been the dissolution of my marriage. I have been legally divorced since June of this past summer. And it's just been, this year has been the hardest year of my life. There's no other way to say it. And I feel like I've said that a lot, but I think that's just trauma recovery. I think every layer of the healing that we go through feels like the hardest ever. And so it's not that that wasn't true before. It's just that you keep finding new depths of what needs to be released and it can be quite painful. It is. It is. So you're one of my, what I call, and I think you call me the same kind of like one of my traumatized friends. Yes. Can you share the impact of the collected traumas have had on your body and how you experience trauma? I think I'm still so deep in the stew of all of this. I, you know, I told you off, off record that I felt like it was important to do this episode, even though I'm still so in the middle of everything. I'm at a, I'm a little past a one year mark of when I asked for a separation and, uh, that really wasn't what I even wanted at the time, but I tried to, practice what I preach and walk what I talk. And it was just time for boundaries. It was time. It was past due time, honestly. And I think there's still so much shame, so much shame. And it doesn't matter how many divorced people who love me brush in with reassurance or how many Instagram memes I read. 
or how much I logically know that this was not a failure, uh, my body and my heart still feel like I failed and it still feels, I'm still like, if that's all braided together, like the trauma narrative with the truth, like I feel like it's one of those heavy workout ropes like laid out in front of me and I've got like a few feet unraveled, but I've got a long way to go and I feel clear on that and finally have compassion about that, that I'm years away from any sort of whatever the new chapter is. I'm just, I'm a ways away, but feels important to talk about the middle. God, I love you. (laughs) Even the metaphor of like the braided rope. I remember going to a fitness class where we had to do a lot of jumping and doing shit with that rope. (laughs) With that class. (laughs) 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 But so feeling you, so resonating with the guilt and the shame. And no matter how many well wishes and prayers and helpful advice from really loving people, mm-hmm. our pain is our pain. Yeah. Can't escape it. It doesn't make it better. You just got to go through it. And so I know you asked me about my body and I didn't really answer that. And I think that's because I've been dealing with so much happening in my body since I moved in August and I'm in a new safe space. And again, reading so much about what happens to your nervous system and your body once you're in a new safe place. And it's just kind of one whack-a-mole physical problem at a time. I'm just trying to rededicate myself to the highest level of self-care that I can muster, whether that's like going to see providers or, you know, the daily care of cooking my food and just all of it. I'm really trying to, it's like my actual full-time job right now is trying to care for myself in a way that I maybe never have, if I'm being honest. And it's not lost on me that you are navigating all of the traumas while also kind of kind of having to deal with it without close family support, like where you can go down mm-hmm. the sh- or around the corner. Yes. Because you're in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, I think, really hard on, on me and my mom to not be able to be physically together. I know she wants to support me more. Uh in that physical maternal care action care way and yeah it's been it's been painful and she's and it's incredible to have her i i will never stop naming the privilege of having the relationship that i have with her and the way that she's showed up for me and continually cheerleads me is is a gift. And you're a gift. You're a fucking gift. I hope you know it. Even when I, I wrote the question down, like just kind of wondering, like if you'd want to talk about what your body is holding, your body is also holding not just your experiences, but also the collective experience of being a person of color and a 
mm-hmm. white supremacist capitalistic world mm-hmm. and not being able to take respite during this grief, this grieving period, mm-hmm. having to work, having to hold space for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So you're a gift. I also want to talk about or ask you about like, you know, when we get married, we have this, we're creating a new family. Mm -hmm. And now that you're divorced, what has that been like? You know, what has the impact been like for you having to, to let go of the family that you had created? Yeah, it's still searing on a daily basis. Honestly, I I met my partner, my ex-husband, at a time when I was really just like coming online as far as trauma recovery, like just reclaimed my name, just freed myself from a relationship from my early 20s that, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I just wasn't even here yet. It's just, it feels like someone else's life when I talk about it. And it was really this, the first time that I felt like I really had family. And I think that was something that was shared experience and to, to build it and to move cross country and get these animals. And, you know, we didn't want any human kids and, It just, I really thought that I finally had what people were talking about when they talked about family being forever. I never really trusted that. I tried to build it in my friendships, but those relationships shift too. And it was almost always clear in friendships too, like that you're not actually family (laughs) in some way or another, even with the most loving of intentions. That's not a indictment. It's just my experience. So, you know, when you make a home with someone, when you share the depth of experience going through so much, I, you know, I went through my whole reunion and, and living in Colombia and, you know, some, the most, maybe the most loving act of that whole partnership was the way that he showed up for me during all of that. So I, I meant it. I'm, I'm, I'm so loyal. I'm loyal to a fault, which we can talk about and I'm sure we will. And I just love super hard and, and I meant everything that I said and, and I'm still sitting in, in how did we get here? Again, not from logical parts. I could list a lot of concrete things about why we're here. And yet on an emotional level and my younger parts are still just like, what's why? And, and just kind of sitting crying. They're just crying still a lot. For people with high trauma, I'm a person with high trauma. You're a person with high trauma. When we love and when you say we're family, we really do. We're like, oh, this is forever. Our little, our little kid parts want it. It's like, over. The other yes. part is over. <laughs> yes, we now have family. Wow. Yeah. And then losing that when the relationship is over, mm-hmm. fucking brutal. Yeah. I want to talk about that loyalty. You said we might get into it. I kind of want to get into it. I. 
have just started writing about this, like just, just, just. But I think this idea that, and I think you and I have talked before about like not even knowing what love is really like, and still being very confused about that. And so I think one of the definitions of love that I've tried to cobble together in juxtaposition to all of the abandonment I've experienced in my life, all of the separation trauma is that if you love somebody, you stay Uh Uh black and white, no matter what's happening. Uh Um, and, and I'm, and I, I will commit to that. And I did commit to that. And I, I couldn't see anything else other than if you love somebody, you never leave. If you love somebody, you never leave. And, I don't think that's true now, of course. And, and, and there are parts of me that still are again, un- unbraiding that thought, that belief. Yeah. That feels like that's somewhere within like some kind of religious upbringing or something. Is that is it religions, religious um, teachings? Is that any part of, of that belief that you've taken on? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I was raised really religious. I I think, I think no, when you ask me that, I think it feels so again, familial to me, like family doesn't like we said we would be a family, you know, I wonder without the commitment of marriage, which is funny because like many people didn't even know I was married. We didn't have a wedding. Like I wasn't never engaged. This was like logistical more than anything. And yet it took on a deep meaning to me over time and I think leaving a relationship that did not have that legal structural component would have been very different for me Uh, I was ready to hang in for a lot of things if I even saw a glimmer of shift Um, and I think I waited a long time for that glimmer. I, I like really the hope had to be like entirely extinguished, which means that I was left in a shattered, depleted place. As you're saying that, and I'm, and I'm remembering, I'm an outside observer, but just as your friend, knowing what this has been like for you, it felt like to me what happened is that you were shattered mm-hmm. and the shattering forced you to make a decision and to say, okay. Yeah. 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 It, it didn't feel like a choice and, mm-hmm. and the moving forward that I've done hasn't really felt like a choice either. I keep saying that, that my ancestors are dragging me forward because I don't really have an explanation for how I've been, doing the behavioral positive loving things for myself because emotionally I'm not really there, but I've just been doing it. And I just, I feel them. I feel them at my back. I feel them pulling me forward. Yeah. Cause I know it ain't your way. <laughs> <laughs> there is some ancestral love, some ancestral courage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they've got their hands on your back. Yes. Come on, baby. Get up. Come on. Come on. Come on. You can do this. Come on. All right. We've done worse than this. We've done harder than this. Get up. Yes. 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 Yeah. Often when I've gone through hard times, 
hard days. I still have those. I kind of lean into like specific affirmations and and we talked off air and I said, you know, I, I remind myself that this is, that I'm in a liminal space and that this won't last. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that this won't last. So are there things, thoughts or affirmations or anything that kind of keep you going that you have to kind of remind yourself of? Definitely that the piece about change has always been grounding like this. It just will be different. Uh, there's not even a hopeful lens on it right now, but just the, like the minutes are going to keep passing. The hours are going to keep passing. The days are going to keep passing and like something different is going to happen if you just stay alive and keep going. And And I've seen, I've seen such incredible healing. I think this is the, what keeps me rooted in being a healer and doing this work is you watch people have transformational healing experiences that they wouldn't have had if they didn't stay alive to have them. Oh shit. Why are you telling my fucking story? Yeah. So again, without hope of that, I've just like got enough data. I think like I'm honored to have a lot of data that I know something different's about to happen. And, and then I don't know, I don't think it's a mantra, but just, you know, my mother, I have my mother, I guess I say to myself a lot, like you're your mother's daughter. You have her here and because I can't physically have her here. Like what I have is her blood running through my blood. And I just think about that a lot and I rely on it a lot. I lean on that, like in my belly button, our DNA cells are all mixed together. Like she is here with me. She is in me. And I derive just an, it's not a measurable amount of strength that I derive from that. I don't even know your mother, but feeling so much tenderness and love for her in the moments when there's enormous or overwhelming grief and sadness. Mm -hmm. Are you able to allow yourself, you know, to like fully express that? Or are you a person that kind of needs some help to get it out of your body? What is that like for you? It's funny because I think you were even saying like, you know how to feel your feelings, like you're an expressive person. And and that's some of what's been so jarring in this experience is a feeling like I have no idea who I am. So your comment at the beginning of the episode, my parts were like, she doesn't know anything. And, uh, and, and being so disconnected from myself in a way that that's, not entirely foreign for me because I was a ghost walking the earth for the first more than the first half of my life, but it's just been a long time and it's really uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the grief, the sadness, the heartbreak, the parts of me that are still in love, all of that had to get like packed up real tight and vacuum sealed for me to choose myself. And, And that still feels like I'll get like a pocket of it. Like I'll get a pocket of heartbreak or I'll get a pocket of 
of a memory, you know, um, I can't, I, I don't, I really don't turn towards it even still. I still feel so responsible to myself to keep my eyes looking forward, to keep allowing myself to be dragged by the ancestors. Because if I, I feel that river of feeling, I still today, right now, fear the way I would turn on my heels and run back. So uh, I, I have been having trouble in this phase of my life getting to it. And luckily, like I am somatically attuned enough to know when I need it. And, and so, but I have been having to use music and media. I just started six feet under again from the beginning, which is like my cyclical grief therapy ritual. It's a ritual. And, and it works. <laughs> so wow. it's one way. I haven't seen that show in forever. I, and you know, I'll tell you, I love that you exist in the darkness with me. Like you can, yeah. you can watch some, some pretty dark shit and oh, read, yeah. read some heavy stuff. Like you can exist there comfortably. Yes. You have a couple of people in your life that you can be completely honest with. Mm -hmm. And so even that part of you that may need to guard certain things or withhold because of other people's comfort levels and other people's capacities, mm -hmm. you have a couple of people where you can say shit's really rough. No, I'm not having a fucking good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, uh, the, relationships that have gotten me through this year. I, I just, there's again, immeasurable gratitude for my sister, wife, best friend, favorite human person and, and my sibling, my chosen sibling that I cohabitate with who has stepped up and basically co-parents my animals and, and, and this incredible queer community that, that my sibling and I have built in the, in the last year has been my life raft one million percent yes in the moments when you you're accessing joy pleasure happiness what are some of the activities that you engage in that that also kind of help i read this enneagram post the other day i'm moderately into the enneagram and it was like what you should be unlearning depending on your number. And that post came for me. It was very rude. <laughs> and uh, I've been sitting with a lot of the words, a lot of the feedback. And one was this feedback about intensity, a constant need for intensity. And I will say like the highs and lows of my marriage absolutely fed that need I have for a constant intensity, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I am even you just talked about it in like the shows that I watch, like I am a seeker of intensity in a lot of ways. And I think that's because it keeps me here. It's so hard to to be here and to stay here. And I think I've always pursued whether it's like riding roller coasters, right? Like adrenaline, like all these different ways that I've I'm an intense person, like anyone will tell you that. <laughs> and 
And in the absence of that, you know, I've spent a year now, a year plus wildly unpartnered for the first time since I was 16 years old. And in the absence of so many things, learning to sit in stillness, learning to sit in the quiet, learning to accept what is, I think my relationship to pleasure is so different right now. It's these, it's, it's finding those little pleasure moments day to day, like my Haagen-Dazs lemon yogurt that I discovered that is delicious and good for my tummy, like really taking that five minutes when I'm eating that to enjoy that. Cause that's like as good as it gets for me right now, day to day, like that's the high, that's the yummy moment of my day. Like that's what I get. I don't have any touch. I don't have any, there's so many things that I don't have right now. And I have to, I would say that. And, and then just sitting with my babies, like they're sitting with them, being quiet with them, enjoying time with them. Uh That's, that's what I got. And, and nature. For someone that, you know, you, you mentioned that you dwell in intensity when that's not available, when it's more shallow, what is that like for you? Whether that's in relationships or just day-to-day life? I, it's really difficult. I feel very lost. I feel very lost and uh, very unmoored, which is like, again, oh, cool. Another unmoored chapter. Uh-huh. Like I thought I, I thought I hooked into enough things that I wouldn't have to feel this way ever again. Uh And I've got my mama, like I'm not entirely unhooked from everything and everyone, but, but it's significant and it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's being in the absence of so many things and sitting in that it's just, it's extremely uncomfortable. Can we talk about your queerness? Sure. To before divorce, there was an understanding or maybe even a definition of your queerness um, and how that's expressed within the relationship. Now, what are the insights that you've had as it relates to your queerness and even the types of partners that you're attracted to in this moment of your life? Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, I've just unpacked a lot about what what was happening with my queerness in relationship to a cis man and the ways that that kept things small, smaller, maybe more controlled. I'm stumbling with words. Uh, it wasn't free. <laughs> it wasn't free. I can just say what it wasn't and, and struggling with that lens. There's a beautiful storyline in, in Michelle Buteau's new show on Netflix, uh, a black queer woman exploring what is my queerness outside of this male gaze and outside of male participation. I think as a bipan woman, that's really hard to explore and find the spaces for. So you know, what's it like now? I don't, I don't have any answers for you. I haven't felt able, ready, willing, you know, I'm, I'm a ways from, from the partnership that I want. And I'm excited about what that could be when 
I am autonomous and free to pursue whatever I want. Michelle Buteau's show, it's a saving me. Survival of the Thickest. Survival of the Thickest. That part of the show, shout out to the person that played the therapist there. It was it was great. But that, mm-hmm. that part of that scene just kind of slapped me. Mm-hmm, me too. And what, what came up as she's exploring her queerness in the confines of a heteronormative marriage mm-hmm. is it felt like if your queerness if it's like under the guise of like, like permission-based queerness, mm-hmm. then it's not really queerness because queerness, when you, when you live a queering life mm-hmm. that comes with freedom, with liberation. Yes. And so in the absence of freedom and liberation, what you're really doing is just playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is most loving to you in this liminal space? You know, I don't know if much is getting in. If I try to answer that, honestly, that's the only answer. Yes. And, and a lot of your questions are really bringing me back to the internal disconnection I've been experiencing and, and this shame. And there's just so many young parts that are so loud and want it the way they want it or not at all. And I think that's created this barrier around me where I'm struggling to even let in what's there. So like the images that were coming up were like what's outside of this barrier that I have around me right now. And there is some, you know, I could list you're on the list. Like there's like beautiful people who love me, who are trying to love me through this healing. And I think it's really difficult for me to let it in. I think it's really difficult for me to believe that I deserve it right now my traumatized parts are like, yeah, bitch, because when you're, when you've been shattered, when your heart has been broken, when your life has been changed in that very fucking traumatic detrimental way that can read to our system, our little ones as nobody is safe. Nobody is getting. Yes. That is, that is it. If I was wrong about this, then I know nothing. I'm very much still sitting in that. Yeah. And if they, they're not here, who else is going to not be here? Yep. If I've only known you a year or two or, or three, whatever, how much time we got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah. And I feel like you and I have talked about this craving as people with experience that have experienced familial separation, abandonment, trauma, all these pieces there's this craving for these lifelong bonds that some people have. You see the healthy people with their lifelong bonds, their long ass marriages, their best friend from kindergarten that they still see every week. All of this ugh, loss, 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 loss. I just, yeah, there's a lot of hopelessness about what that can even look like for me. And I'm, I know I'm not old and I know I'm a baby in a lot of ways. And I try to sit with that. I'm, <laughs> I love listening to elders, actually, like like 80s interviews. Like Jane Fonda is definitely a spirit animal for me. She's such a powerful woman who's been through so much. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm on like my second life of like six lives if I am to live that long. So I don't need to stress about this. And yet I'm stressing about it because <laughs> I'm a human. And 
that perspective is important. People all the time say, I'm, I'm there for you. Mm, yeah. Until they're fucking not. Until they're fucking not. <laughs> yes. And that, that is so different. A healthy person. It's okay because I've got my, my three other siblings and I've got both my parents and I've got this and I've got that. But high trauma, abandonment issues, abuse, neglect, all of those things. We're not trusting your word. Mm-hmm. You've got to prove, you got to prove it over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so physical for me too. Like you're not here. Don't say you're here. You're not here. Mm-hmm. Nobody's here. Don't say that you're here. Can you say that again? Because that's important. Say it one more time, please. yeah it's just so so physical right the language is physical and I feel like I hear words in such a movement-based way but like don't say you're here when you're not here I hate when people say I'm here for you no no you're not no the fuck you're not you're not fucking here you're with your family Uh, even when you say like you know who's holding you like you're holding me like I could list like my inner circle and I haven't known any of you longer than one hand of years. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That's like, yes, I feel held, but like, I do not have deep roots. It's another layer of like, I don't get to have deep roots. Yeah. And so what's coming up to is, is I have a part that's like, this episode is about divorce and there, there may be people that say, well, Everybody gets divorced. Like, you know, what's making this Mm. so different? Mm -hmm. Because it is different. Mm -hmm. Everybody is not resourced in the same way. Mm. You're bringing me there. You're bringing me there. For me, like the trauma piece in all of this is some people don't stay as long as some of us traumatized people do. And the, the deep shadow work the rough shit that I'm being called to turn and look in the face is what, what was going on in me for me to allow some of the things that came to pass. What was going on in me? What do I believe and feel about me? And what do I need to tend to now in the aftermath Mm -hmm. so that I don't repeat this? Mm -hmm. And even the divorce is a breaking of intergenerational trauma. My mother did not have the means to leave ever. And, and I, I do. And I did. And there's definitely healing in that. And there's so much more healing in front of me about, about what happened in me versus looking out. It was so easy, right? In so many chapters of this saga to look out and to point fingers. And I'm really trying to not be in that. And to really look at what happened inside of me and where do I need to take accountability for my damn self? That's the only way to heal, right? It's mm-hmm. painful. It's so painful. I don't want to do it. And it's, and it's not a one-time thing. I know. If it's from now, you'll still be processing mm-hmm. 
what it was like, you know, the real, like what it was like being married for 10 years, the good, the bad, the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of it, it's all mixed in there together. It's all there together. And the things that were not, the things that maybe created the environment where divorce was needed, Mm -hmm. there is some reckoning. Like what was happening in me? Who was showing up in those moments? Yes. Where there was this commitment to endure, the commitment to stay, to keep fighting, to to believe, even, you know, whatever, whatever was happening. I don't want to ignore, to stay in denial, to choose. Yeah. To, oh, what did my sibling and I were talking about the other night? To consciously not look at the parts that hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as as a survivor of adoption, like self-abandonment is our Uh most favorite of drugs. And that is what I need to be sitting with. Uh And I'm wondering if for you, if there was just a really low capacity to be in pain again. Yes. 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 Are there any any thoughts or just anything that you want to leave our listeners with and don't be like super positive and shit, like fake, just like speak from your heart. Yeah. I mean, where I was going to go is this shit is hard. It's just really hard. And I think the most impactful support this last year has been that validation from people Sometimes not even divorced people, but just people who've, who understand loss, who understand trauma, just mirroring that it's hard and it's terrible and it's going to be hard and terrible for a while. And just at least to like not put that on myself in addition to everything else that I'm wading through that like, this is just, this is the shit I'm in, in the, the most terrible part. And it feels that way because it is that way. And just naming what is Is it okay to add to that yeah because you also make me think all the time I tell my clients like it's hard you just have to let it be hard yes yes when shit happens and things are different just let it be different there is no other you can't go back. I mean, you could, but it still wouldn't be the same as it was. So let it be different and let it be hard. Let, let it, it not sh- make sense. That is <laughs> let it not make sense is so central for me. Understanding is a way that I experience a false sense of control. And I have spent hours and hours and hours trying to understand this thing that is not understandable that is like right where i'm working right now like right in that area i will never understand this i can't my healing cannot be dependent on me understanding this that understanding being a false sense of control because i don't want to understand it i want to understand it because i want it to be different it's not a genuine understanding impulse i want it to go the way that i wanted it to have gone it's and not I'm understanding. Still kicking. Yeah. Just still kicking against it. It's not understanding with acceptance. Yes. Yes. Now I want to have you back on the podcast because 
you're one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And I'm not shitting you like you are. You're a hot mess and you are a bomb ass person. Thank you. (laughs) This conversation has just really touched my heart and I'm so appreciative that you chose me to, you keep choosing me to have these really hard nuanced conversations with and it means a lot. Thank you for being here today. And I just love, I just love you. I love you. Thank you for holding this space. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.